You're listening to teaching from the Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. You have the power to change the trajectory of someone's entire life. All it takes is an invitation. How many of you went to prom growing up? Raise your hand if you went to prom. How many of you remember inviting someone to prom or accepting an invitation to prom? My girlfriend at the time felt obligated that she needed to take her best friend's brother to prom. That's probably why she didn't say my girlfriend, but that's a story for a different time. In reality, I wasn't interested in going to her prom. I wasn't interested in going to my prom. She went to a different school. I didn't want to spend the money. I was cheap. I didn't really like dancing. I didn't like any of that stuff. And so instead, I came up with this idea that I would send out this mass invitation to my friends that we would go to the church and play basketball that night. And there was like 20 or 30 of us And we had a ball. We were playing basketball. We ate junk food. We played board games. You name it. And we just had a blast. Some of those people are still my friends today. I mean, when I go back to my hometown, I'll see them and we'll talk about, hey, yeah, remember on prom night, we were just messing around and having fun. I I was talking to my wife about prom and and she said, yeah, she said, things have changed a whole lot. You, You can't just give a simple invitation to prom. I don't know if you've heard of this term, term, but there's promposals. And basically, you have to go all out. Um, You've you got to propose in a dramatic way. For instance, they might have a hallway, and they might line them up with all of their friends, and, and they'll have roses. And, and then he'll be at the end on one knee with a sign, will you go to prom with me? She had one student that was a pilot and led his girlfriend out into a park or something like this, and he flew over in his plane with, will you go to prom with me? One person spelled out, will you go to prom with me in donuts? I mean, that's my love language. I mean, that would have been hard for me to turn down right there. This one guy went mudding, and man, will you go to prom? He rode it on his truck after mudding. Uh, another was a baseball player. I mean, you, you caught me prom. How cute, how adorable. Another used golden retrievers, really, using dogs and, and a little tender spot. Now, the one that I'm having a hard time understanding is someone owned a horse, shaved prom into a horse. Invitations, some are simple, some are memorable, some can change your life. I was watching a video this week about a little eight-year-old girl that gave her stepfather an invitation that he'll never forget. And she had him blindfolded and walked him out or had him walk out to the mound. And there she was at home plate in cleats with, Poppy, you are my forever home. Will you adopt me? And of course, He said yes, and tears, and 
And, and if you get a chance this week, watch this video. I mean, it'll just uh, break your heart. I mean, it just, I, I don't normally cry, but I mean, I was almost tempted to cry after watching this video. I mean, it was, it was just one of those heartwarming stories that, that just get to you. You know, while prom invitations, I mentioned, may not have been life-changing, some invitations change our life. They have the power to change the trajectory of someone's entire life. Uh, for our guest, we've been in a series called All In. It's a year-long series where we're talking about walking with God, having our eyes focused on Him, uh, of being a disciple. And, and today we're doing a series within a series called Follow the Leader, and we're going to be looking at the apostles. And we're going to be looking at what we can learn from them with being all in. And today we're narrowing down on Andrew. Andrew's better known as... Peter's brother. Have you ever lived in the shadow of someone? Known more as someone's relative than by your name? My, my younger sister, she's a couple years younger, and she got so tired of being called Ronnie's sister. She, she would go to school, oh, that's Ronnie's sister. And she said, man, I am so tired of, I just want people to know my name. No one knows my name. They just say, Ronnie's sister. This was Andrew. I mean, he's Simon Peter's brother. Now, I got a little dose of this in the past couple of years. I went on a retreat with my youngest son, Ellison. And, and all the kids said, oh, you're Ellison's dad. Not Ronnie, not Mr. Morgan. You're Ellison's dad. And so when I show up to school there, I'm still, hey, hi, Ellison's dad. Hi, Ellison's dad. And, and so I'm kind of getting paid back for it, and I, I probably deserve it. Well, well this was Andrew. He, he was living in the shadow of his brother. Andrew was one of the first four disciples. If you look at the disciples list in the Gospels, you'll always see that he's number four on the list. Jesus had an inner circle. He almost had a, a small group, had small groups within the twelve. And in, in Jesus' inner circle was Peter, James, and John. Andrew was number four. The, the inner circle got to see Jairus' daughter being raised from the dead. They went to transfiguration. They were at the Garden of Gethsemane while Jesus was praying. They got to see some things that the other apostles, the other disciples, didn't see. And, and Andrew was always felt just outside, just outside. He was in the shadow of this inner circle. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they don't hardly have anything to say about old Andrew. John has three stories about him, two of them that we'll cover in depth, one that we'll summarize. I think the reason why John probably talks about Andrew is that they grew up together. They, they were from the same hometown, they were, or the same, they, they grew up in the same town. They, they went to school, they probably skipped rocks together. They were also in the fishing business. Both uh, families had uh, fishing going on, and so they, they got to know each other that way. They probably worked together. And, and so today, though, we're going to look at three of the stories. And so if you have your Bibles, uh, turn to John chapter 1, verses 35 to 42. John chapter 35 to 42, we're going to see that Andrew was one of John the Baptist's disciples. And so when you see John in this text, John the Baptist is who we're talking about. It says, the following day, 
And John, John the Baptist, was again standing with two of his disciples. We're going to see one of them was Andrew. The other one's not mentioned. It's going to most likely be John. John often wrote himself into the, the Gospel of John. And it says, as Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, look, there is the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard this, they what? They followed Jesus. Now, we see Lamb of God, and we don't think a whole lot about it. But this term is rich with spiritual implications. And shepherds took care of the flock near Jerusalem. And, and, and these sheep were used for sacrifice. In fact, the shepherds, remember when the angels appeared to the shepherds? And then they came and saw baby Jesus. It's possible that they may have even been tending some of the sheep that were used for sacrifices. Now, at Passover, the high priest would inspect the temple flock. And he would look and look and look and, and he would see that lamb without blemish. And he would say, behold, the lamb of God. And then they would take that sheep and they would sacrifice it as an atonement for the sins of Israel. And so John the Baptist sees Jesus walking by and says, whoa, baby, there is the Lamb of God. That's my paraphrase. It's not in your, your version, but it's in my version. And, and, and this gets the attention of Andrew and John. It says, Jesus looked around and saw them. What do you want? He asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Are you staying at the Motel 6? Where are you at? And Jesus says, gives an invitation. Notice this. Gives an invitation, says, come and see, he said. It was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. I want you to notice that Jesus gives them an invitation that would change their life forever. You know, there's some invitations that you just remember. There's some things, events in our life that we can't help but not forget. Sometimes we even remember the exact time. I, I, I think John remembered, hey, it was exactly four o'clock when Jesus told us, invited us to follow him. Some of you remember the time that you invited someone to, to get married to you. You remember the day, you remember the time, you remember everything around it. Some of you know the date around the time that you accepted Christ. You know when you were baptized. You know when your life was changed forever. And so we see that Jesus offers this invitation, and then it says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, again, he's in the shadow, he's always Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John had said and then followed Jesus, and then evidently there was some time, and then Andrew went to what? He went to find his brothers. He had, he had such good news, he, he, he had to go find his brother, Simon, and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. And then Andrew, what? He brought him. He brought him. He brought him to Simon to meet Jesus. And he looked intently at Simon. And Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John. But now you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. Andrew 
finds his brother. He says, man, we found the Messiah. Invitations have the power to change the trajectory of someone's entire life. And just because Andrew lived in the shadows doesn't mean that he couldn't make an impact for the kingdom of God. Second story. John chapter 6. Andrew brings a boy to Jesus, feeding of the 5,000. Let me summarize part of the story. There's a big crowd following Jesus, 5,000 men, not counting women and children. So we're talking probably a crowd of at least 15,000, maybe 20,000, maybe more. We just don't know. And they're hungry. And Jesus turns to Philip and says, hey, we got to do something about this. We need to feed the crowd. And says, hey, Philip, is there an H-E-B close by? Can can we go and get some food? We we need to get some bread. We need to feed them. And and Philip gets with the other disciples. And they're like, man, there's not anything close by. And even if there was a bunch of H-E-Bs and Walmarts, there's not enough food to feed them. And on top of that, we don't have enough money. I mean, I'm looking and we just don't have enough money to feed all of these people. So so then it says, then Andrew, whose brother? Simon Peter's brother, right? Spoke up. There's a young boy here with five, what type of loaves? Barley loaves. That's important. We're going to come back to that. And two fish. But what good is that with a huge crowd? This miracle is in all four Gospels. John's the only one that mentions Andrew's part in the miracle. While Philip and the other disciples, they're trying to figure out how to feed the crowd. They got the calculator out and like, well, we got this amount of money or, you know, there's an H-E-B about 10 miles away. And they're trying to figure out all of this. Andrew's building relationships and he finds this little boy that has a sack lunch. The only one in the whole crowd, the only one that's prepared. But, you know, there's always someone that has some extra food on them, right? If you're hanging out with certain people, you always know certain people just always have snacks. For me, it's Miss Carolyn Lambert. I mean, she always has food. I mean, if you've been hung around with Miss Carolyn Lambert, if I'm going to the hospital, if I'm in the waiting room, guess what? She's got a sack, and man, I always know I'm not going to go hungry. If you go on a trip with her, she's got snacks. My parents are the same way. I mean, they just pull out snacks from their shoes. I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, it's like, man, where do you come up with this stuff? This little boy has just five barley loaves and two fish. And Simon Peter, or Andrew's like, well, you know, that's some, but that's not enough to feed this crowd. I mean, he's practical. But Andrew invites this boy to Jesus. And Jesus takes this five barley loaves, the poorest of the poor man's bread. I mean, this is what the poor people ate. He takes that and he takes, when we, think, when we see fish here, we're not talking about a big catfish. We're not talking about a big bass. I mean, we're talking about probably two pickled sardines. It's not very much. But Jesus takes this little amount of food and ends up feeding 5,000 men, not counting women and children. Sometimes Jesus asks us, just give what we have, and he does miraculous things. Some of you here this morning, you're saying, well, 
Ronnie, I don't have a lot in my life. I don't have many gifts. I don't have many abilities. I, I, I can't do a whole lot. And Jesus says, just give me what you have, and I'll work with it, and you'll be surprised what I can do with it. And then not only does he feed the crowd, but there's leftovers, 12 basketfuls of leftovers. Andrew is the inviter. Andrew is the bringer. He's always pointing people to Jesus. You just got to love Andrew. Story number three in John. John chapter 12, verses 20 to 26. Andrew brings some Greeks to Jesus. It's Passover week. Thousands and thousands of, of people are there. And the Greeks, they want to talk to Jesus. And, and so they go to Philip and Andrew. Why do they go to Philip and Andrew? Why don't they go to someone else? Philip and Andrew aren't Greeks, but they're the only disciples with Greek names. And so they're thinking, hey, man, these are the guys that relate most to us. They got, at least their names sound the same. And, and so they go to them and they say, man, we want to talk to Jesus. So what does Andrew do? Andrew brings them to Jesus. Now, it's not clear in Scripture where Jesus actually answers them and goes through a bunch of things. That the Scripture's a little vague there. But the point here is that Andrew is always pointing people toward Jesus. In all three stories... Andrew is meeting someone, inviting someone, and bringing someone to Jesus. His invitations weren't lavish like your prom proposals. They didn't make you cry like the little eight-year-old's invitation to adopt me. Andrew's invitations were often simple. He just wanted to bring people to Jesus. As Christians, sometimes I think we forget the power of an invitation. As a church, I think we take that for granted. We think, well, people will just know us. We got to sign out there. People will just come. The early church grew because people got excited and they were telling people about Jesus. They were inviting, hey, hey, this Jesus fellow, he changed my life. You got to come and hear. You got to come and experience. You got to come and be a part. They were inviting others. In your journals, if you have your journals, and we have some more out uh, in the lobby, our all-in journals that we've been going through this year, I, I want you to write this question. Uh, imagine whose salvation is on the other side of an invitation from you. Whose salvation is on the other side of an invitation from you? Your invitation has the power to change the trajectory of someone's entire life. And simple words like, would you come to church with me? Would you come for coffee? Could I pray with you? Could lead to someone having eternal life. Could, could I pray with you? You might be afraid of someone turning you down. But you know what? That's okay. It, it's worth It's worth it. You have nothing to lose. You have everything to gain. It's worth the ask. The, the second question that I want you to write down, or the second thing I want you to write down, is I want you to write down three, the names of three people that you will invite to church next time you see them. The three names of people that you know that you can invite to come, to be a part, that you could point to Jesus. 
Can, can, can I just tell you, I went at the grocery store this week, and I'm in the produce section, and there's this guy that I've been trying to talk to. I, I wish I knew his name. I either I need, uh, I need new ears or he needs to quit mumbling. I'm not sure which one, but, but I, every time I ask, and I even try to cheat, I even try to look at his card, and he hasn't turned the opposite way. But I can just tell you, and you're going to hold me accountable. Next time I see this guy, I'm going to invite him to Castle Hills. He's the guy that helps me with produce. Sometimes when I'm at Walmart, man, I can't find that green pepper or whatever I'm looking for. And he's always there, and he, he's nice, but he's very quiet, and you can just tell he's searching. I want to take just a few moments. Of just, and I'm just going to let it be quiet, and then I'm going to pray as God puts on your heart, who can you invite? Lord, I, I just pray that you put some people in our hearts that we can invite to Castle Hills, that we could point to you, that we could build a relationship with. I, I pray that you'd give us boldness. I pray that you'd give us the words to say. I, I, I pray, Lord, that, that you would prepare the soil. And whether we're planting seeds or watering seeds, Lord, I just pray that you'd give us opportunities. In your precious holy name. Amen. Andy Stanley gives uh, some inviting tips that I just want to pass on to you that I thought were really practical. He calls them the three little knots. Anytime you hear the three little knots, you know it's a perfect time to invite someone to church. First of all, if they're not in church. If they're not in church, hey, I got a church. I go to church at 14 and West Avenue right next to Aggie Park. You should come. I'll sit next to you. If things aren't going well. They're sick. They're going through a divorce. Their children are a bit rebelling. Something's going on that's not going well. Guess what? Hey, would you like to come to church with me? Would you like to talk to my pastor? Would you like to talk to one of my ministers? A couple of weeks ago, I get this phone call from, from Ryan Knoll. He says, Ronnie, uh, are you at church? I said, no, Ryan, I'm, I'm at home. It's like 6 o'clock. I, I, I'm, I'm not always at church. I know it seems like it, but I'm not always there. He said, well, man, I got this guy in my front yard, and I don't know what to do with him. I said, well, I don't know either, right? Can I talk to him, I guess? And so we put him on speaker, and, and the guy, he's like, yeah, you know, life is hard for me. I, I'm looking for a job, and I, and I got in a fight with my, I don't know if he said girlfriend or something, baby mama or something. It, it, it was really messy. And he said, man, I started walking. I kind of got lost a little bit. And I just saw this basketball go, and I just started shooting baskets in front of this guy's house. I don't know who he is. I said, he didn't know who you are either. It's okay. <laughs> and so I listened to him, and, and I prayed with him. And I said, Ryan, I said, man, your house is a light. People just automatically show up in your front yard. And Ryan started ministering to him. And, and I wish I could say, yeah, he came here, and he was baptized. I, it's not the end of the story. We, we just don't know how it's going to end up. But, but be looking for opportunities when things aren't going well to pointing to Jesus. Third knot is not prepared for. Not prepared for that new job. Not prepared for college. Not prepared for retirement. Not prepared for something. There's some, some kind of transition that's going on in their life and they feel overwhelmed. And you say, really? Well, you should come to church with me this Sunday. Be looking for Listening for the knots. Those are perfect lead-ins to say, hey, let me invite you. Now, here's another tip for you. 
Ask, do not what? Harass. I might ask someone to come to church with me on Wednesday, and I might even follow up on them on Saturday to say, hey, I just want to see, do you plan on coming? I'm going to meet you out in the parking lot. I'm going to sit with you. But don't just keep on asking them every day or every week. But don't be afraid to ask. When your family or friend does come, sit with them, worship with them. One of the key things is that you can listen for events that you think your friends might be interested in. Our, our men's ministry have been playing basketball on Thursday nights at, at another uh, local school. You say, well, man, my friend likes basketball. Maybe I can invite him to that, and maybe we can build Christian friendships. The, the, the ladies are always doing something. You may hear that, and you say, man, that's a perfect thing that maybe my friend, maybe they're not ready to come at 10 a.m., but, but they would come to that. Maybe you hear about one of our Sunday school classes at 9 o'clock, and you say, well, I'm not sure that they'll come to that, but, or they'll come to 10 a.m., but they would come to a Sunday school class. Maybe you hear that our senior ministry is going out to lunch. You say, well, I have friends that like to eat lunch. Maybe they'll come to that, and we'll, we'll see what happens from there. Maybe you have a friend that, yeah, the formal church thing, they're, they're a li- it's one of those things that's a little scary. You say, well, I, I go to a life group. That meets in a home, would you come to that? Be listening, by, be, be thinking for opportunities. In, in March, we're going to have a church picnic. Casual atmosphere, going to be a lot of fun. You say, well, maybe I can get my friend to come, come on that Sunday. Be, be thinking about Easter. Most people think, well, you know, I should probably go to church on Easter. Already be thinking, maybe that's one of the people that you put on your list. Next Sunday, we're going to call it, we're going to have... Football Sunday. And we're going to do some different events outside or after the service. We're going to do some things inside the service. And maybe you have that friend that really loves football. I can't say that word that the NFL doesn't want me to say because I'll get in trouble, but we're just going to call it Football Sunday if you know what I'm talking about. And we're just going to invite you wear your jerseys, wear your shirts of your team. Basketball, football, baseball, we don't care. Just, just wear something. And if you don't have that, come anyway. But, but I'm just telling you, if you have a jersey, if you have a favorite football team, wear that. I'm going to be trying to dig up an old jersey that I have. Hopefully it doesn't have too many holes in it. But, but we're going to have a lot of fun. And this will be a perfect environment for you to invite your friend. Be, be listening for opportunities. It's it, it said that Andrew preached in Russia and Asia Minor, modern Turkey. He eventually died in Greece. This came from extra biblical material. But but my understanding is when it was time for him to die, he said he wanted to die on a cross, but not a cross like Jesus died on. He he requested a cross that looked like an X that's since been renamed St. Andrew's Cross. Supposedly, he preached for three days to his persecutors before he died. You know what? I want to be an Andrew. Do you want to be an Andrew? I want us to be a church full of Andrews, of, of people who invite and bring. And, and so here's my question. Who will you invite to church? Who will you point to, to Christ? Look for those opportunities to, to invite them to, for coffee, for, for lunch, for breakfast, whatever the case may be. Who's God putting on your heart that you can invite? Would you pray with me?